You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of Nerdificent. I am one half of your host, Danny Fernandez. Ify will be joining us later in the podcast, but up top, I have one of my dear friends. She's an author and host of the Noble Blood podcast right here. It's Dana Schwartz. Hey. hey. Thank you so much for having me. You record in this very studio. In this very studio. I'm already an expert on uh, where to get the seltzer and where the best snacks yeah, are. Yeah, we do. I know it's so funny. All the guests that come on talk about like our snack choices. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's been upgraded since we got bought by iHeart. So let me go on the record and say I'm pro snack. <laughs> me, me too. And I take the energy drinks here. I think they got them from me. You know, my I brought them in so much that they were like, we're going to start carrying them. I've never had an energy drink in my life. They scare <gasps> me. I'm like, what's in them? What's the? I drink coffee all the time, but what's what's an energy drink? Wait, I was going to be like, wait, have you done drugs? <laughs> I have. Okay, I've those done don't drugs. scare you, but energy drinks. Yeah, because at least drugs, I know what they're supposed to be. Energy drinks could be anything. Yeah, I guess that's right. There's oh, So I used to be addicted to one um, that was called Redline. I don't even know if you could get it anymore. Do not recommend. You had to be like 18 to get it at the um, 7-Eleven because it will mess you up. We don't cuss on here, but it will mess you up. Uh, well, good to know. I'm going to continue my pro-snack anti-energy drink what policy. Do you, what do you have for caffeine? So much coffee and Diet Coke. Okay, coffee. So you just straight like chug. I'm a black coffee drinker. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way. Yeah. I just, I think I started doing it in high school and I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. I just, I can't have dairy. <laughs> so I know that I could have like the other possible things. This is I was Los like, Angeles. Oh, you can yeah. have like oat milk and, and hemp milk I everywhere. I just tried the oat milk that we have here. So I'm new to oat milk. Um, coconut milk, though, I'll sometimes treat myself and put that in there. I remember like my first day in L.A., I go to a coffee shop and I was like, hey, can I get like a latte with like non-fat or like low fat, like 2% milk? And they were like, oh, we don't have 2%. Of course we do have not. oat milk or hemp <laughs> milk or almond milk. 
And I was like, all right, well, I guess this is this is where I live now. <laughs> of course, they didn't have 2% milk. Oh, my gosh. Who would I know. do that How here in LA? How dare I even ask? How would they do that here? Well, um, today we are talking about something that is near and dear to your heart. Yes. Um, you actually, when I was asking you the things that you are n- – into you brought it up and that's Sherlock Holmes yeah I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan I love mysteries sometimes I get impatient I think the the thing is I love mysteries I don't usually like mystery books Mm -hmm. because I'm too impatient I always skip to the end but short stories are the best you're in you're out yeah, but this is not a short story. <laughs> like Sherlock Holmes? Some of them are. Okay, okay. Because the one that I was first introduced to, I told you, was Hound of the Baskervilles. That's that's a book. Yeah, okay. But okay. there's a lot of short stories. And then also, I mean, the ser- there's so many good adaptations. I'm pretty sure now it's like it must be in the public domain because so many people adapt him. Right. But like there's so many good and smart adaptations. And I think there's something so human about our want for a character who just is so smart and always right. Yeah, so what was your first introduction to him? I think reading in middle school. I think in middle school I read a few, I read some of the short stories. So I read like The Speckled Band and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) oh my God, what is this? And then I remember when I learned that House was was Sherlock Holmes. It blew my mind. I was like, House Holmes. Ah! Also, technically, I would have to say my first introduction to him would be the great mouse detective. Oh, my God. I can't believe I didn't even bring that up. Right? I truly loved the great mouse detective. Basil of Baker Street. Yes. And the the villain was Radigan. Radigan. Uh Uh-huh. He had a song. All villains should have songs. Yes, and um, that creepy little uh, hobgoblin oh, bat. God, it was so good. Yeah. That's the, also the thing about Sherlock Holmes is it brings out the best villains. Because the thing about Sherlock Holmes is it's so grounded. Like, it so clearly takes place in the real world. But it's also this real world. Like, all of his murders, all the cases he solves are, like, plausible. Yeah. But it's also, like, a real world where people have, like, arch nemeses mm-hmm. and supervillains. So it's, like... We get our supervillain fix in a totally grounded way. Yeah, I just remember The Hound of the Baskervilles terrified me. Oh, that one's so scary. Yeah, and I can't remember if there was some type of media adaption that I saw it. I can't, if it was a a show or something. I also think of, I don't know if this was actually in it, but um, do you remember The Page Master? Is that the one with Macaulay Culkin? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I do. Well, they had Jekyll and Hyde, but I can't remember if they also had um, like a Sherlock Holmes reference in there as well. But that's what I think of. Um, So we should just dive into the history of our private detective that was created by British author Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Great mustache. Uh, He was a doctor originally, which I like. I like that. Uh, like him and Chekhov, that sometimes there's just like men of medicine that are just like, I shall write stories. Right. Yeah. Well, have you read any of his other works? Yeah, I've read some of his other short stories, actually, because I do um, a podcast here mm-hmm. called Noble Blood. And one of the uh, Arthur Conan Doyle loved weird history and the occult. And so, That's so cool. one of the episodes I'm doing, we share... He and I shared a a proclivity for a certain weird historical case that he wrote about a lot. And what I also like about him is he sort of hated Sherlock Holmes. Oh, really? So he – it's like the first instance of toxic fandom 
Yeah. So he wrote Sherlock Holmes. I was kind of mad at how successful it got. And I love like, that. He was like really <laughs> angry that that was the thing he was getting known for. Oh, I, that makes sense. That like maybe he had other works that he yeah. thought like, why aren't you guys into this? You're into this dude. Yeah. He's um, like, I just wrote this one, but like I'm writing mm-hmm. all these other things. And so then he killed Sherlock Holmes off at the um, Reichenbach Falls. But then the fans were right. so angry the fans were outraged that then years later he brought Sher- he had Sherlock Holmes like catch a branch and survive the the falling to his death. He's like, all right, all right, and blah, type, type, type. Sherlock Holmes actually survived, and he's back. I just love the idea because we didn't have social media. People just like <laughs> shouting in the streets. <laughs> hey, you bring Sherlock Holmes back. <laughs> but right, can't you so see that? Like a character could would be so beloved that the author kills them off and then fans are so outraged that they bring them back. So you were asking about my tattoos and their Dragon Ball Z tattoos and Vegeta, who's this character, yeah. that it happened to him exactly. Akira Toriyama, the creator, killed him off and he was like everybody's favorite. He was just supposed to be a villain. He was just supposed to be there for like one or two story arcs and sagas and he's now an icon. Like they're a duo. He's normally placed up alongside the main Mm. character he's been there for decades now he's like he's my favorite so he's he became went from being a side character to being like the one of the main characters um but yeah he like brought him back and i think it was the same thing he hates him everybody knows that about him he hates him because he gives him like the worst (laughs) storylines and he like refuses to let him excel past a certain point but like fans would die if he wasn't around yeah i'm reading this this bit from his Wikipedia, because I was curious how they framed it, because I'm sure it was less colorful than I imagined. They were like, in December 1893, to dedicate more of his time to his historical novels, Doyle had Holmes and Professor Moriarty plunged to their deaths together down in the Reichenbach Falls. Uh, public outcry, however, led him to feature Holmes in 1901 in the, the novel The Hound of the Baskervilles. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, fine. Uh, so Sherlock Holmes first appeared in print in 1887's A Study in Scarlet. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And that actually is, um, if you saw the Sherlock adaptation oh, okay. on the BBC with oh. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. the first been so many. The first episode of that is A Study in Pink. Okay. There's something so fascinating about um, – a mystery that is presented and solved to you in a satisfying way. Like, we love that with every story. Like, even non-mystery stories, aren't they always just plots that are resolved in a clever way that make you go, ah! Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Oh, we had Thurup Van Orman on, who is a direct... He created Flapjack on on Cartoon Network, but also he directed The Angry Birds, and he was saying something about features, how um, they shouldn't leave you... Like, same with novels. Like, they, you should feel... um, completed at the end of them mm. essentially um and i love that he said like it shouldn't leave you actually guessing for more so i guess some cliffhangers are not yeah <laughs> some like movie cliffhangers uh so something about sherlock holmes he is in the guinness book of world records as being the most portrayed movie character i, I think that has to do with him being in public domain right mm-hmm. where it's like everyone can can take their take a crack at him yeah yeah and so many parodies and obviously he's been referenced and like every TV show ever. Um, oh, I didn't know this. It says Conan Doyle wrote the the first Sherlock Holmes novel when he was 27 in less than three weeks, which I hate. What is everyone else doing with their lives? I'm so mad. <laughs> I hate. I hate. I feel like you could do that. I feel like just lock yourself away for how long is it? Three weeks? Just lock yourself away. You could totally do it. Yeah. 
Okay, I still have a year to do it, to make my Sherlock Holmes. So before we dive into more of his, like, books, can you talk to people about the character of Sherlock? Like, what is he like, his personality? Yeah, so it's hard to to pin that down because obviously there's been so many permutations of him that I feel like it would almost be limiting to only talk about the book Sherlock Holmes because mm-hmm. I feel like Sherlock Holmes has become a character of the popular imagination, right? Yeah. Like he's bigger than he is in the books. Mm-hmm. In the books, uh, people like to point out like he uses drugs, but like, you know, he, he uses, uh, well, he smokes his, his pipe, his pipe mm-hmm. and he does some opium and uh, he, he is famously um, curt and persnickety with people. And there's whether or not, regardless, some people read Sexual Tension with Watson, which I don't think was in the original intent of the book. But of course, going back, you can always read that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest... That's so, wait, I, I, I wanted to pause on that moment. So like that has been, have people talked about that? Yeah, I feel like people go back to the text and try to, especially, we'll talk about this, but like Sherlock, the TV show, uh-huh. people are huge shippers with like John Locke, right? John... <sighs> Yeah. And uh, and Sherlock is that they should be together. And so I feel like people do go back to the text and are like, see, blah, blah, blah. Look, they're together. Um, which, you know, maybe. Who knows? And people play with that, right? Because there right. was that elementary where they made Watson Lucy Lou. So sometimes they. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't it's have... like a Bert and Ernie situation. It can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, although I would love to see like an actually gay one, like an explicitly gay one. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. I'm sure that we'll probably. I mean, it's such a. It's. A, I mean, with everybody making taking these IPs, I feel like we'll get another Sherlock coming up. It seems if we crazy haven't. that we haven't that we haven't had a gay Sherlock. I mean, yeah, just like it's 2019, people. Gay Sherlock. Gay Sherlock. We've We're had ready young for it. Sherlock. We're ready for gay Sherlock. <laughs> Uh, but so Sherlock as a character, I think his most like telling uh, quote, and I'm paraphrasing completely because I I do I'm not Sherlock Holmes. I don't have quotes memorized, mm-hmm. but there is an excerpt from one of the stories where he's describing his brain, and he talks about how he doesn't know he like can identify 130 cigars by their ash, but he doesn't know that the Earth revolves around the sun. And he's like, well, it doesn't help me in my detective work to like know the workings of the planets, but it does help me to be to identify ash. And he's like, my brain is like an attic, and there's only so much space, and I put I keep important things there that, that help me solve crimes. So that's the way you sort of define the characters. He is someone who has shed off all extraneous knowledge and social skills and social niceties in right. order to preserve his brain to fight crime. He kind of comes off as like rude or brash. Yeah. Because he doesn't, he doesn't care about that. He's shed social niceties. He just wants to solve solve murders. What I take away from that quote is that he's not focused on like um, bigger, like larger. He's like focused on the minute, like tiny, small details that people would miss. Yes, that's exactly. It's very monk. We love God. We love a a a really smart detective. I mean, like Sherlock Holmes is the, the foundation for so many TV shows, like Monk, like Psych, mm-hmm. like any. Any detective show owes owes it to Sherlock because you need the genius and then you need the sidekick who's the audience proxy who asks yeah. the questions because Sherlock will be like, okay, on to the, you know, Millers. And then we need John to be the audience to say like, wait, how did you know we're supposed to go to the Millers? And then he explains. Yeah. So can you talk about Watson? Yeah. Watson is uh, a military doctor. In the original book, he came back from like the Anglo-Afghanistan war 
I don't think it was Afghanistan back then, but Middle East war in Victorian times. And he needs a place to live. And his mutual friend is like, try the flat at 221B Baker Street. <laughs> Meet Sherlock Holmes. And the books, most of them, with the exception of one or two, and don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure there's one or two exceptions. Most of them are written as if from, from John's from, perspective. Yes. Yeah. We're reading his da- About this eccentric detective he stumbled upon. Yes. His friend who does amazing things. And yeah. there's even a quote that Sherlock says where he goes, I would be lost without my Boswell, referencing uh, Samuel Pepys and and Boswell, Boswell who like wrote everything that mm-hmm. he was doing. Um, oh, Johnson and Boswell. Sorry, not Samuel Pepys was a diarist. God, it's I need more caffeine. Uh, <laughs> Boswell wrote Samuel Johnson with the the diarist, and so he he is the one recounting Sherlock, and so he functions as the the narrator proxy. So we get to see Sherlock work through John's perspective, and John, as he's usually portrayed, is the human side. What are some of your favorite stories of his? Well, God, I. I do want to talk, if we can, to move to Sherlock on the B, like the BBC adaptation. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was the first time where, like, I feel like Sherlock had a fandom. Because mm-hmm. I feel like everyone kind of just like liked Sherlock Holmes stories growing up, and like I liked them fine. Like I was like, oh, those are fun short stories, but it wasn't like I felt like any emotional kinship to it. And I think it jumped the shark a little bit. But when it first came out. And I was like streaming them illegally in America because they weren't <laughs> out yet. I was like, Jesus Christ, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't a thing yet. Right. I only knew. They knew him. We didn't know him. They, But what? I mean, he was starting to become known. He was starting to become known. We didn't know him. I mean, I'm sure he was uh, doing things in England. He yeah. was in a few things. I had no idea who he was. He was just this gorgeous cheekbone, mm-hmm. a, a walking cheekbone. He looks like Sherlock Holmes. Martin Freeman looked, uh, he was kind of familiar. He was the guy from Love Actually, and he yes. was the guy from uh, The British Office. He plays the gym equivalent in yeah. The British Office. Um, and it was just amazing. It was also the first series where I feel Oh, like- and I, they both are in the MCU. Oh, yeah. Now they're both in the MCU. Amazing. Good for them. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's where my brain went when you said his name. They No, fully. They they both had their... Also, when you said that you streamed illegally, uh, totally did that with Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. BBC version could not... I mean, I just sat in, like, as, I don't know, middle school or teenage Danny or whatever, just sat watching it uh, in my bedroom, like, all weekend. Could not get it legally. Had to stream it. And then I remember, because I became a fan of it when only the first season was out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a massive cliffhanger. I don't want to. Have you seen the the Sherlock? Yeah, no. So I don't want to spoil anything, even though everyone should see it by now. It's probably been out for like well over a decade. Yeah, two, like fifteen years. Yeah, season I think you're good. One and season two both end with massive cliffhangers, and I was so mad that I had to wait like a year and a half right. for that to be resolved, or longer even. And now it's like on goddamn Netflix and people just like, oh, like, oh, I wonder what happens. And I was like, you didn't <laughs> suffer like I suffered. I was I was trying to figure out that like VPN stuff to be yeah. able to watch wow. in English. Because in, in England you get, please don't arrest me, but they get like BBC iPlayer. Yeah. And I was so desperate to see it. I was That was like, I had that like fandom heart flutters yeah. for those. I would think, so my favorite episode there, which I think is a perfect episode, is the season two finale. Okay. Um, where I kind of wish that the show ended there. Oh, really? I know I'm one of those, like, you're always like, ah, like, of course, it, you need more and it's so good. But I, I always get 
you, you never know you're in the good old days until you. Leave I saw them. your glee, your glee tweets. I feel the I same saw. way about glee. Glee <laughs> peaked. And it was like a shooting star. It was here and then it was gone. The glee pilot is one of the best pilots, mm-hmm. and then the show went. So off the rails. Yeah. I was never super into it, but I do enjoy their soundtrack on Spotify. That, unfortunately, I think is what, what did them in. Oh, no. I did it. It's like people it's like your me fault. that did People I, like that don't even watch it, but just but just are listening to them on Spotify. I think that when they realized how much like money they were making, oh, totally. singing like, covers of recent songs, yeah. they just started like squeezing songs in. We're like, in the first episodes, in like the first season, few... I think only the first season, like before it was a major hit, they just sang like journey songs, like or like one or two right. songs an episode. And then they just squeezed as many pop hits as they could in to put on iTunes. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's my you fault. You should be. It's my fault. We have to take a really quick break and then we're gonna hop back into Sherlock Holmes right after this. Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. iHeart Podcast Awards 2023 Podcast of the Year Las Culturistas with SNL's Bowen Yang and comedian Matt Rogers. There's stuff happening in 2024 that we really need to address. Pop culture and huge guests like the latest episode with Dua Lipa. The more I think about it, the more scared and nervous I get. Listen to the newest episode of Las Culturistas with Dua Lipa and all episodes on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Las Culturistas to start listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame starting May 7th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. This time we are joined by the one and only Ifiwadiway. Hey, how's it going? How's everyone feeling? Thanks for popping in. You missed the first half. You missed a tiny bit about Sherlock. Yeah, yeah. But it's things that I'm sure that you already knew. No, not at all. I didn't watch Sherlock. Yeah, no. (laughs) You're supposed to just go along (laughs) with it. No, I was, but I was like, no, I'm going to keep it all the way funky. The only BBC show I was really hitting it off with was Doctor Who and Torchlight. And then Sherlock, all the hype was there. There's a lot of crossover with Whovians. And I was like, maybe I should. Yeah. But I was like, nah. (laughs) Did you ever read any fan fiction? 
Um, no, I'm because I'm not a fan fiction person. Oh. I know I apologize, but I did. I have seen a lot of like fan art on Tumblr. Oh, I, I was bet. big in the Tumblr memes. That was it. Like it was so pure and precious for a little while, and then the fandom went off. Oh, yeah. the Wait, rails. so what happened with the fandom? Um, when this is, we're still talking about the BBC. The show. BBC Sherlock. Okay. I mean, they just went crazy. Don't don't get mad at me because I'm part of you, but I think like there was like this obsession with. Benedict Cumberbatch, who's so hot, and like John uh, Martin. Did I miss something in the first part that I missed that got Benedict? (laughs) Do you mean hot in like a figurative sense? No, people like him. That's why, because he he's sort of like you. He's like attainable hot. He's kind of like weird (laughs) intellectual, right? He's like not jock hot. You feel like if you met him at a bookstore. You'd oh have my a gosh. shot with No, him. yeah, but I also feel like he would try to teach me things. I'm kind of into that, though. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, Dana, I'm you want so guys sorry. that are going to like mans, that are going to be like, oh, I see you with your I'm Grateful taken. Dead shirt. I'm Tell taken. me. Don't okay. mansplain. Don't mansplain. Okay, okay, okay. okay. That's my, my warning to anyone listening. Please don't. Don't slide into my DMs when I tell you that I'm sort of into like the older professor type. That's true. That's true. Um, okay, wait. So the fandom went a little wild. <laughs> yes. Like he was wearing this purple shirt in one episode and it kind of like bulged across his chest and oh, they call Lord. it the purple okay. shirt of sex. <gasps> well, I, if you Google wait, that. what? I swear to the God. The purple shirt of sex? I bet it'll come up in okay, a non-porn capacity. No, I'm going to look at it. I hope I do. Oh, wow. It is him. Right? Gosh. Right, that's it. Because look, that's all it took for the. Oh man, they need to watch porn. Like I know, because it's just that's all it took to get excited. I wish. What world do I live in? Because it's just like a kind of tight shirt. It's barely. Also, if you put the search "purple shirt of," it goes sexiness of Sherlock. Yeah, it's it's a thing. So it was this like fixation on the minutia, and then the show sort of leaned into the fandom by making him sexier. Yes, and like teasing him with sexiness, and like having giving him like a fake love interest for an episode, and then they also did this thing where they faked his death, a la Breckenbeck Falls, and then they like make it like, ooh, fans have no idea the explanation. Then like they, it was very meta how they explained his him faking his own death, and so fans got in the same way that Sherlock. So Sherlock is made. Um, the same showrunner for a time as Doctor Who, ah, Stephen Moffat. So a lot oh, of oh, yeah. Doctor Who fans and Sherlock fans feel very betrayed by Stephen Moffat. Uh, he oh, giveth wow. and he taketh away. <laughs> he ruined Sherlock. And it's like, but he created Sherlock. So. Was, yeah. was the fake death episode have something to do with like a waterfall or something? No, that's in the books. Okay, because I saw like some like Sherlock fan art and it was like... Benedict Cumberbatch walking and there was like a waterfall there and everyone and it was like oh yeah that's the thing well in the in the books he he is in a fist fight with with Professor Moriarty and they both tumble to their deaths or do they 10 years later you know uh, Arthur right they sure brings it back back. yeah Uh, in the series he jumps off a hospital building but he survives yeah Wait, can you talk about Sherlock, the history of Sherlock with women? Oh, yes. So in the book, he's almost totally asexual. Okay, yeah. Um, just He just is uh, like a machine, machine computer. Just he, That doesn't exist. People in adaptations don't really like that because they're like, I don't know, it's more fun to give him a love interest. Mm-hmm. And so they give him... Usually Irene Adler is the, the female love interest because she's supposed to be like beautiful and can best homes and in wits and uh I'm what is to, her profession she's like an 
a socialite actress. <laughs> oh, God. Right, this is like... Wait, don't you love that they... they I totally forgot that we had those back then and everyone oh, gives yeah. people in our generation crap for being influencers yeah. when they literally had social oh, life yeah. as, as your... <laughs> like, right, she was like an actress or like an opera singer mm-hmm. maybe. She's only in one story. She's only in A Scandal in oh, Bohemia. Okay. Okay. But she, she has... She and Holmes have sort of this like flirty tete-a-tete and then... He kind of references her sometimes, so people always like are like, "Oh, he holds a flame for her." But I kind of more think it was like an intellectual thing. I oh yeah, I I almost prefer Sherlock Holmes as as asexual, and you don't give that to him. And then, but people like the uh, Robert Downey Jr. one, you know, they wanted him to have that fun flirtatious thing with Rachel McAdams, which is fun, you know, because I'm not a snob when it comes to fandom. I'm. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes is a character. You're not going to ruin him. Mm-hmm. I think you can take him and have fun and do what you want with him. And the books are still going to exist. And other adaptations are still going to exist. So if someone goes, well, my Sherlock Holmes is X, Y, Z. I'm like, great. All power to you. I'm yeah. not I'm not a, a snob in that regard at all. Like with Star Wars and stuff, like I love the Ridge Tridge. Um, and people are like, oh, the prequels ruined it. It's like, no, they didn't. They're just their own thing. They didn't ruin anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a thousand percent true. But just uh, before we move on, I do like that idea of like an asexual detective because I imagine like a character like Sherlock would be so annoying to date. Like, oh, yeah. Like just, uh, like just all no cap, like just someone who's just a hyper detective and always trying to crack a case. I just imagine that gets boring on, I uh, mean, annoying on the day to day and you're just like, no. <laughs> oh God, he would be the worst to date. Truly because like if you've ever dated someone who like puts their work before you. He would always yeah. put his work before you. I thought you looked at me, Ify. Oh, no. I glanced. Did you watch any uh, House? A very little, but I, I caught it one. I like... think he had love interest, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I, I watched episodes, but I didn't watch regularly Same. enough to get an arc. But, like, you know, sometimes it's fun to give him a love interest and sometimes, like, right? Like, I love me some Rachel McAdams. Like, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also the connecting. I'm sorry, I have to bring up the MCU again. She's but also she's, in the MCU. Yeah, she's and Dr. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, see, wow, Isn't that weird. Like Rachel McAdams is um, Doctor Strange's love interest, oh. and so that's Benedict Cumberbatch who plays Sherlock Holmes, and then she's Sherlock Holmes' love interest in Robert Downey Jr.'s 2009 film. Who's with Iron Man? Who is Iron Man? So yeah. Can... So just hopping straight oh, into I that. Totally that, forgot right? about that franchise. Yeah. Welcome. Um, wow, has every actor who's played Sherlock Holmes got been in the MCU? <laughs> or is just every actor now in the MCU? <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we have, in 2009, Sherlock Holmes came out starring uh, starring Robert Downey Jr. It was directed by Guy Ritchie. And this and... was hot off the heels of, like, Iron Man, too. So, like, mm-hmm. RDJ was hot. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had Jude Law, who was. Yeah. This was very fascinating for me to have him as Watson because I always figured Watson was like a. I'm sorry, I'm going back to the Great Mouse Detective, and that was who but framed yeah. and shaped. Like that's kind of what I thought him as, like not bumbling because, he, but he's like the straight man, and he's you know not as sophisticated, not as he's uh, debonair. He's not as debonair as Sherlock, and so that was fascinating to have. How did you like this adaptation? I think Robert Downey Jr. is really fun. And I like him, and I think he just oozes charisma. I almost think 
he's too charismatic for Holmes. He's too mm-hmm. funny. You know what I mean? He's too, um, yeah, like not sexy. He he exudes a sexual energy. He could wink and pull it off. And I don't think Sherlock Holmes would know how to wink. And I think Jude Law is also too sexy for Watson. Yeah. But then again, it's Hollywood. Look, they gave him a love interest. They made them both sexy and charming. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Jude Law, when I look at this picture of him, like he could have been Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I almost kind of wish he was. He looks a little more academic, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Mm. Like a little like nerdier. Like he spends more time reading. Yeah. Yeah. So this was based on the story that you were talking about. So this particular film, did it include a past Sherlock Holmes story from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? You know what it included was, I don't want to spoil like the, the, the oh, it came out in 2009. You think? <laughs> it's okay. totally fine. It's totally fine. Everybody, I'm sorry. But also, it won't take away from the film if you know parts of it. Yeah. So, you know, Irene Adler is a totally different character than she is in the series. Because, again, she's barely in the series. But uh, Mark Strong plays a villain who dabbles in the occult. And, like, his whole villain thing is he's like, the occult is real. And, spoiler alert, is it's not. Um, but... Arthur Conan Doyle was super into the occult. Uh-huh. He like loved it and wrote about it all the time and wrote weird things. So I feel like they pulled uh, from that really strongly, which was fun. And I do feel like they um, – different directors and different adaptations choose different devices to show Sherlock Holmes thinking. Mm-hmm. Because like how do you externalize thought? And in this one, we got a voiceover and slow-mo in the BBC version – it like shows up as text on the screen. Yeah, like he gets like a little robot. He gets to like yeah. analyze things. So I just like that different directors have different approaches. You know, I think the voiceover kind of worked. I thought it was like a fun device that he would be like in slow motion, like see things play out and we get the voiceover and then it would happen in fast motion. I was like, that's fun. That was a great move. Uh, I yeah. find it also fascinating that Robert Downey Jr. played two people that were kind of had uh, issues with women and money and drugs. Yes. Well, people love the drug stuff with Sherlock Holmes, which is like barely in the original story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of fun. Because, well, it's because he's too square then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he needs a vice. He can't be like this perfect robotic man that isn't tempted by anything. Well, why can his vice be like he's bad at social interaction? Yeah, but I think there's something about him. I think it, it humanizes him in some way. That's you true. know, and it makes it so he's not like this perfect. So he is, I mean, how do you survive every night when you're going to bed by yourself? When you're, you know, if you think of the life of this man, maybe he is actually lonely and he's taking part in in other things. I've read that he's not great with money, which is why, is that sometimes why he takes these cases? And that's also why he needs a roommate. I think yeah, that's also part yeah, of it, which exactly. is adorable. He's a millennial. He's a middle-aged man with a roommate. Yeah, so. he's a flatmate. Also, he one of his vices is he gets really bored easily, which like mm-hmm. he's so smart that he shoots things into the into the wall in the the series. I think it's a smiley face, but in the book, what is it? It's I think he's it's like he does like his her royal highness. He does like initials, but he's just like he doesn't have an adequate read on like violence and. Um, like he likes murders too much and he doesn't have a read on like causing damage and destruction in his daily life, uh, which is fun. And then also he does cocaine. But rem- remember in the Victorian times, was okay. everyone was doing cocaine. Yeah. It was like in. It was like coffee. Yeah. They like gave yeah. it to babies. They're like, give your baby some tonic. And it was like the heroin. 
Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows? Did you enjoy that? Um, that came out in 2011, yeah. also directed by Guy Ritchie. I didn't like that one quite as much. I thought it was a bit uh, jump the sharky. How did it jump the shark? I loved Jared Harris. So he's Moriarty, and I really, really love Jared Harris uh, doing anything. What I didn't like in this movie version is they brought Irene Adler back, who I always just think is stronger in the periphery. Mm-hmm. Because when you bring in like a female love interest, it just to me seems a little pandery. It's like, see, women can be tough too. Yeah. I don't know. Like it always comes across a little pandery. And I think uh, Mycroft, who's Sherlock's brother, wasn't quite right here, even though I do like Stephen Fry. And then they do the. Um, this one is the the Game of Shadows is the Sherlock Holmes like fakes his own death one, okay. which you know we've just I've seen so many times like right. that's a story that people do a lot, and so I was like all right, but if they're doing the sequel he's com- he's coming back spoiler alert yeah, so what are some of the other I know that we hopped to the BBC version and then the film version but what are some of the other stories from Sherlock that you like that like stand out to you. Oh, you know, I always come back to the Speckled Band because that was one I read when I was really young. And that was one of the first ones where I was like, oh, my God, things can be weird because <laughs> the I'm going to give it away. But uh-huh. it's it's been so long. You know, it's the spoiler. The 1800s or yeah. whatever. <laughs> the spoiler, spoiler period is over. Spoiler um, It's the 1800s. The, the death was caused by a snake. With spots on it. Oh, okay. And it just, it seemed so silly to me at the time that as a writer, you were allowed to do things like that. Mm-hmm. That that made me really excited as a child. So I love, I love that. I love when things come out of left field and you just feel like, oh, they get to make things up. That's yeah. what writers get to do. And it also feels very modern in like a lot of, when you're young and you read like a lot of Victorian literature, it feels very mannered. And just, like, mm-hmm. the fact that someone referred to a snake as a speckled band is just so, like, childish almost <laughs> that you you totally get it. You're like, ah, I'm reading here now that um, they're doing – so there was a young adult series called Enola Holmes about his little sister who's fictional. She's oh, not in the book. When did that come out? Um, like 2006. Cute. Um, and it's going to be with Millie Bobby Brown and uh, Henry Cavill. Oh, wait, Cavill. it's going to be a movie? I think a mini a series. Oh, a mini series. Okay, well, not mini series. Maybe just a upcoming mystery film. No film. Okay, but this was an actual book series that came yeah, out. Yeah, it okay. was a book series. Okay, with uh, now it's going to have uh, Henry Cavill as Sherlock. So it's like young, sexy Sherlock again. I like in terms of adaptations. Wait, no. <laughs> oh, are we? Wait, Henry Cavill. Yeah, he's oh, too hot. Man. He's way too hot. These are this is wait. Who would you cast? Okay, who would you cast? Knowing the actors that we have today, oh god, as if, young, you know, it would be a good young Sherlock. Who? He's American, so they would get mad. They never, but I guess Robert Downey Jr. is American. Timothy Chalamet has the look. Oh, totally. Because totally. right, he looks like if he must mm-hmm. have his hair that he was up all night doing cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, well, and he's in he's in Little Women. Is that yeah. a is that a yeah. isn't that's that American? A, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw too. how they treated when we had Bridget Jones' Diary. That was a big that was controversial. Uh, having Renee Zellweger step into that, but you know, British people do American things all oh, the totally. time. Oh, totally, Tom Holland. Yeah, Tom Holland. Um, God, and gets Robert to be the our favorite American neighborhood Spider Man. So Timothy Chalamet, I agree. he has the look. But now I want to think of a British person who's like British and ooh, Donald Gleason. 
Oh, okay. Donal, yeah. Donal, I think it's Donal. Donal Gleason. He also seems like he could do cocaine and solve mysteries. The thing I like about Timothy Chalamet is that he seems like he would be, he could play that like slightly neurotic uh, detective character. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have to talk that, really Like fast. doesn't care about women and actually just wants to like, yeah. you know, solve this thing and we're off to the laboratory. Yeah. Um, Ify, who would you cast, American, British, or otherwise? Mm. Um, yeah, I'd go with Timmy Tim. I think. It's oh like, yeah, I forgot that's your friend. <laughs> your friend is Timmy Tim. Timothy. 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 Yeah, he's a cool cat. He's more friends with Kid Cudi now. He's posting pictures. I with saw Kid that. All right, you are. Kid Cudi is cooler than me. Do you think it would be too much to have Daniel Radford? Mm. Radcliffe, Ooh. Daniel Radcliffe. Ooh, give him a new franchise, right? <laughs> Did you accidentally say, say our friend? friend? Oh, do you know who I would love? He's going to be Batman, so he's not going to do it. But I do love Robert Pattinson. Yeah, and I he's kind of weird looking, and mm-hmm. it would be per- he is super weird. Yeah, they kind of need to be weird. You got to be weird. They can't just be hot. Yeah, they got to be a little. The, the The weirdness makes them hot. Henry Cavill's not weird at all. I wonder if he can pull it. But that's we'll see. Because remember, people felt that way about Robert, and I just think where people are like, oh, he's like from Twilight. They just thought he was hot. I'm like, no, he's a good actor. Yeah, yeah, really no, is. especially if you see Good Time and stuff. But see, my thing with Henry Cavill is like we were talking about that jock hot, and Cavill is a hundred percent. He has the jaw of a jock. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like he would stuff you in a locker. Yeah. And Sherlock Holmes has to be a nerd. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be tall. Has to be gaunt because yeah. he's too busy. Like he wouldn't. He's too busy to work out. He can't yeah. look like he goes to the gym. He's too busy studying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like Henry Cavill as as who is um if 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 they were if they're that obsessed with like jock energy, I would go with what's his face. He was in Call Me by Your Name with Timothy Army. Yeah. Oh, Army. I'd say Arm- oh. Armand. Armand Hammer. Yeah. Young Armand. I, I, like, Armand can probably get away with it because he got that svelte fit. Yeah. Like, Henry is Superman built. He, he is, like, and he's doing, like, uh, The Witcher, so he's still going to be built for that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just thought of the perfect person. Who? Oh. Rami Malik. Oh. Oh, so twitchy. Yeah. I spit. Sorry. I got Wouldn't really excited. Wouldn't that be fascinating? Is he British, though? No, but I mean, like, neither is Robert Downey Jr. Oh. No, everyone's just listening to our fan cast. And he can do Queen, so he can yeah. do... Yeah, and, do... and, he, and he did Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. which is detective, so he's already been, like, a detective But I'm saying he's... Freddie Mercury's British. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So did... I didn't really remember watching this, but did uh, Robert Downey Jr. have an accent? Yeah. In, okay. I mean, he was good was at it. it. Uh, okay, yeah. well, that's, there he you knows. go. He did it. Um, and, I mean, Jude Law would have been a good Sherlock Holmes. Rami Malek, look. Rami Malek. He would be good. He would be really good. He okay. totally has, like, the mm-hmm. eye, like, the... Um, intensity. Intensity, and, like, you feel like he was up all night reading. <laughs> oh, he would be so good. And possibly good. doing drugs. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you my least favorite Sherlock Holmes adaptation. Okay. So, let me take you on a, a bit of a story. I was a... Uh, Humble young, young film critic for Entertainment Weekly. And uh, as a, a Jewess, uh, I didn't have plans on Christmas. And my editors asked me if I would mind terribly going to see and review a movie oh, that was coming out on Christmas because <laughs> the movie had zero press screenings, which is always a bad sign yeah. when they're not going to let press and critics see the movie before it comes out. Bad sign. But since I have no plans on Christmas, Traditionally, the the song of my people is to go see movies anyway. I was like, sure, I'll take one for the team. So Latin 2018 Christmas Day, 
young Dana Schwartz goes alone to the Grove movie theater and sees Holmes and Watson starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. And it was truly the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, man. They're so great together. I feel like maybe they relied on improv or something. I didn't see it. I think that was it. I think they had this idea of just like, hey, what if we put on silly hats and just (laughs) talked and made jokes? And it might have been good if they if the movie was good, but it was so bad. It was so bad. And I saw it alone and the theater was silent and were uh, people there? Yeah, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure as I was leaving, I overheard someone else be like, That was the worst piece of piece of bleep I've ever seen. <laughs> the film was nominated for six Razzies and won four of them, including Worst Picture. Wow. Did they go to pick it up? I love when um when people go to pick up their uh, Razzie. Fun fact, Halle Berry went to pick up her Razzie oh, yeah. for Cat That is fun when they do yeah. that. That shows that they're a good sport. Exactly. I it, feel like if you're a comedian, it's like your due diligence to also do Also, if you're as successful as mm-hmm. Will and John are, yeah. then I think it's like, well, I've also made these studios billions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I can take it. I'm sure they had fun, and I'm sure mm-hmm. they got paid. So I'm like... I have nothing against Will Ferrell or John C. Riley, but that movie was awful. Put on Netflix, y'all. We have to take another quick break. We're going to hop back into Sherlock Holmes right after this. Ding dong, Las, Las Culturistas calling. calling. iHeart Podcast Awards 2023 Podcast of the Year, Las Culturistas, with SNL's Bowen Yang and comedian Matt Rogers. There's stuff happening in 2024 that we really need to address. Pop culture and huge guests like the latest episode with Dua Lipa. The more I think about it, the more scared and nervous I get. Listen to the newest episode of Las Culturistas with Dua Lipa and all episodes on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Las Culturistas to start listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame starting May 7th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Nerdificent. It's your boy, if you wide away, sitting across from Danny Fernandez and our dope guest, Dana Schwartz. 
uh, you know. And now we're, you know, we're coming to a close. We're going to talk about the future. Dana has some suggestions. And, you know, Sherlock Holmes spans so much, like just looking through the docs, things that we didn't get to touch on. Like there was a puppet Sherlock Holmes series that they mm-hmm. did in Japan. Mm-hmm. There's Miss Sherlock, a Japanese series. But one that I wanted to highlight before we go is Sherlock Holmes in the 21st century, which was this animated show that I used to watch where it was Sherlock Holmes. He like got frozen, unfrozen in the future and was solving future crimes. That's so, wait, wait, wait but the future like present day or future like the no, future? the future in the 22nd century. That's oh what it my was. God. Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. That is so exciting to me. Yeah. I cannot believe I've never watched oh, that. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous, but in the best way. Uh, but yeah, you had some short stories to recommend, right? Yeah, I was going to say, if you were a fan of the Sherlock series on the BBC, I had some old Sherlock not old. Well, yes, old. Some of the original Sherlock Holmes stories that are some of my favorites that I think I recommend that uh, you would be a fan of. There's The Adventure of the Six Napoleons, which is a good one. If you remember, the, there was an episode of, of Sherlock where there were a bunch of busts of Margaret Thatcher, and that is sort of loosely based. Everything is really, really loosely based. based. So mm-hmm. don't, But I think it's a really good, strong one is The Adventure of the Six Napoleons. There's one called The Adventure of the Empty House that maybe is one of my favorite ones and is very, very spooky. And that is the one where he has to talk about his a miracle survival coming back from the dead. Oh, right, right, right. When, uh, when the fans uh, got mad. When the fans got mad. <laughs> um, and I'm learning right now, Doyle ranked The Adventure of the Empty House sixth on his list of 12 favorite home stories. What's his favorite? Um... Let's see. Ooh, the Speckled Band. Aw, you guys have that wow. in common. Yeah, good taste. Wow. Good job, Arthur Conan Doyle and Eighth Grade Dana. Um, and then A Scandal in Bohemia is the one with Irene right. Adler. So people really like that one, and that's a good one to go to. Nat, the premise of that is there is a scandalous photo. It's like a revenge porn situation. <gasps> There's Even a scandalous photo that someone needed to track down. Wow, they were also, dealing with a lot. Also, a really fun one is the Red-Headed League, which I want to spoil because the, the resolution is so funny and so, like, it seems so modern. It's someone who is, like, digging into a bank to rob it. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they yeah. used to do that back then. Such a thing to, like, dig through and, like, we'll just sneak in through. So, like, that is such a funny old-timey resolution. There's <laughs> such an old-timey villain plot. Yeah. That it's so charming to me. You dig under the bottom and then you cut a hole and they don't see it coming. Yeah, exactly. I did want to say, so my favorite, The Hound of the Baskervilles, there was several films of it. There was a 1939 one. Uh, If you want to, you know, spook yourself out this Halloween, you can watch it in black and white. There was The Hound of the Baskervilles in 1959. There was also a 1983 one. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen an animated one. There's like two different animated ones that you can watch on YouTube um, that are really creepy just because it's creepy old animation. Mm. Um, So that's called Sherlock Holmes and the Baskerville Curse. It's 1983. It's an Australian animated television film uh, by Eddie Grant really kind of creepy looking but I think that's the one that I saw when I was little maybe that sounds a Scooby-Doo I love it yeah the Baskerville curse yes I think we took oh yeah and then we have the film so apparently the film's coming out in yes. 2021 I'm excited I love I do like detective movies it's so pure it's like I also really liked um, not to not to change the subject from Sherlock Holmes but Hercule Poirot the Agatha Christie 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there was that Kenneth Branagh Murder on yeah. the Orient Express, which I thought it was very ambitious to even make a new Murder on the Orient Express when the right. original yeah. is so beloved and like perfect. Um, but I heard that they're making a second one of that too, and I'm excited. I like let people indulge in Victorian uh, crime solving dramas. My detective stuff growing up was Nancy Drew. You know, um, I never got into Nancy Drew. I did, yeah. My mom kind of passed that down to me. Although I did have the computer game. Oh. Oh, I loved it. It was very scary. It was like a haunted hotel. Were you into Harriet the Spy? Um, I was more into Encyclopedia Brown. Okay. And Cam Jansen. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely a Nancy Drew, Scooby-Doo. Um, loved those. Still love those on Boomerang. Uh, the Hardy Boys, Harriet the Spy. I definitely did. I was super into spy and detective yeah. stuff. It's really satisfying when you're a kid because the plot structures are really – like the rules of the plot are really clearly defined. Mm-hmm. Like case, clues, red herring, case solved. Like I think that when you're a kid, it's really satisfying. And even now as an adult, I'm, I'm always satisfied by that story structure. Yeah. I think it influenced me as a writer yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, so the Sherlock Holmes three coming dropping in twenty twenty one. It will be st- starring Robert Downey Jr., Rachel McAdams, Jude Law. This time it's going to be Dexter Fletcher directing, mm. not Guy Ritchie. Oh, he's uh, he did the Queen movie, right? Oh, he's the guy. He was the ringer for. He did Eddie the Eagle, Rocket Man. Oh, he did Rocket Man. Yeah, no, but he's the one who replaced Brian Singer on Bohemian oh, Rhapsody. Okay. Yep. He's on. He got a band of brothers. He appeared Locked. in Guy Ritchie's Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Do you think mm. they're friends? Yeah, it might seem like. Yeah, it seems they're buds. He recommended. He also did Doom. So, Guy something might be for you do- to think about it. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Dana, where can everyone catch you? Uh, on Twitter with Dana Schwartz with three Z's, and listen to Noble Blood, which is a podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So wherever you're listening to this, yes. I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez on all the things. Um, I will be at New York Comic Con. What day is this? I still can't announce my panels, but I think that I have probably by now when this drops on Twitter. I will definitely announce them next week when we're officially allowed to. Uh, but if you're going to be at New York Comic Con, I would love to see you. I have a really dope, like super cool panels. Cannot wait to share them. And um, thank you to everyone that's been buying merch. Definitely tag us. Tag Ify and I so that we yeah. see it. Um, and we will retweet it. We will share it. That's uh, tpublic.com slash Nerdificent to pick up all your merch. You're and yeah, it's uh, it's your boy Ify uh, Ifty's on Twitch, Ify Wadiway on all the social platforms. Definitely, yeah, come uh, come go see Danny at New York Comic Con. I'll be at TwitchCon. Uh, there's some things, uh, some panels. They're they're on the site, you know, and uh, and follow the social for any show updates and stuff like that. And as we always say, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy, elementary. Uh. <laughs> You're so- Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. iHeart Podcast Awards 2023 Podcast of the Year Las Culturistas with SNL's Bowen Yang and comedian Matt Rogers. There's stuff happening in 2024 that we really need to address. Pop culture and huge guests like the latest episode with Dua Lipa. 
The more I think about it, the more scared and nervous I get. Listen to the newest episode of Las Culturistas with Dua Lipa and all episodes on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Las Culturistas to start listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame starting May 7th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 